You're listening to The Retail Perch with Shake and Raman and Gary Hawkins. We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more. Hey, folks, welcome back to another episode of The Retail Perch. Uh, we're into 2022. Can you believe that, Gary? I mean, 2022. My God, this is our I, second episode. I don't know where the last year, I don't know where the last two years went, but uh, we're, we're off and running and 2022 is going to be a, a great year. Yeah, I can see that. You know, we've been talking about changes that this pandemic has brought along, and I think some of those changes are actually playing out. And I think people start to realize that retail is taking a shift in a big way. And I think uh, it's not just consumer sentiment; it's also the situations that are forcing people to think differently. And you know what? Just speaking about that, you know, we talk about all things retail here, really tied to supermarket retail and how uh, different technologies are playing a part in making this business happen. And today we have a guest that's really, really uh, comes from this world and is passionate about, you know, independence and supermarkets and has been doing this his whole life. So we're going to have a great conversation. In fact, Gary and I had a chance to be on his show a couple of months back, talking to a bunch of retailers. And Gary, that was fun, wasn't it? It was great to see Harold's passion for the whole industry. <laughs> so Harold has not lost any of his passion when he's moved into the virtual world. I, I've seen him countless times over the years in person. And Harold, you you didn't lose a, a touch of it moving oh. to uh, virtual. Uh, some people say passion. Some people be, some people say ADHD or something like that. I don't know which, but you have to have a little of that to be a retailer today. I'm sure. Uh, I, I still I still love it and 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 look for ways to make it more fun for retailers and more successful, of course. Well, Harold, why don't you take a few minutes and just tell us about your backstory and you know how did you wind up in this industry and what what are you still excited about? Okay, well, real, real quick, it's kind of interesting. Uh, it wouldn't be book worthy, but it's kind of interesting. I had a deadbeat father who was a military guy and then uh, tried to took uh, 30 years as sergeant major in the army and then went into, uh, into being a chef. And uh, he didn't know much about being a father. So he left us when we were about five. And I didn't have a father till I was 14 again. And uh, my mother got a job in a supermarket called Lloyd's. And she was a waitress in a restaurant. And this guy, Ed Lloyd, had five restaurants in each of his two big stores back in the day. And I'm talking 50 years ago now. And so she got a job there and she was making 10 times the tip she was making in a Chinese restaurant that she had raising four kids with no alimony, no, no support at all from the deadbeat father. Anyway, so she was quite a, a miracle worker that that lady was. And when she got this job with Lloyd's, uh, it was like, oh, my gosh, uh, we hit the lottery. Well, it wasn't quite that, but we were able to pay some bills. And uh, with four children, she was able to take good care of us. Anyway, lo and behold, a year after she took the job, Ed Lloyd sat in her, her section and, and then again and again and again and kept sitting in her section. And she's a, a nice lady and an excellent server. And he asked her out. His wife had passed away recently and asked her out. And my mother comes home and says, Ed Lloyd, she, she's got a date with Ed Lloyd. Yeah, right. Uh, right. You got a date with Ed Lloyd. Anyway, we went from apartment to apartment to apartment to buy seven apartments before in, in eight years because uh, nobody wants a mother without a father and not sure about paying bills and four kids and a dog. And so we moved a lot. And then to go from that to Ed Lloyd's son was quite a remarkable change. On like day two, I knew I wanted to be a retailer. 
well, day two of being his son, I want to be a retailer. To see him come home so excited about his job, it was it was just absolutely amazing. And then, well, not maybe day two, but certainly by the first six months, I knew I wanted to be like my father. Originally, I wanted to be a teacher all my life. And uh, so my dad once said, I'll never forget it, Harold, I have a thousand employees that you can be a teacher to. So you don't need a classroom. I have a thousand employees. And that's what he did. We had a thousand employees. We had 14 stores, uh, 10 convenience stores with gasoline. He was the first New York State gasoline self-service. And he had two large stores and two conventional stores. He was a dreamer. He had the first checkout stand that moved uh, in the East Coast. He had the first in-store pharmacy in the who knows, you know, east of Mississippi. There were several firsts. The trouble is my dad wasn't a great businessman. He he had, he was a dreamer and a creator, but not he didn't like the minutiae, the details of putting things together and, and making sure they had a profit. Well, I went to college, University of Pennsylvania, Wharton School for four years because I knew I was going to be running my dad's uh, company someday. I need all the help I could get. Then I had the great guts, uh, and I'll brag, great guts, because my dad wanted me to start day one of graduation. But I just said, I'm not ready. I was 21 years old, and, and I wasn't sure about nothing, um, except I love retailing. And so I begged him, begged him. I asked him seriously, could I go to graduate school? And he said, I can teach you better than any graduate school. And I said, I know you can, Dad. But I, I wanted someone who's objective to say that I achieved something. And so I went to the University of Chicago graduate school and two years, they were quick, two quick years and graduated on a Friday afternoon. And on Monday morning, I was president of Lloyd Shopping Centers, thousand employees, 14 stores. It was stupid to put me there. But we both decided that, you know, let's get it over with. I was 23. Let's get it over with, because if I was made a store manager again, then I moved here, moved here. Everybody would be nervous above me. Where would he go next? So let's just get it over with and call him the president. For two years, I didn't say a word. I didn't. I, I didn't. <laughs> I kept my mouth uh, shut and my eyes wide open. And, and then in my third year, we started doing some stuff. In my tenth year, I sat down to talk with my father about the equity position in the company. I have a family business session that I do not too often because it brings back memories, nightmares sometimes. But in my fifth, sixth, and seventh year, we made really good money. And our last two years were the most money the company had ever earned. And we were doing really well. I think my dad saw that we were making some money and money that he could play with again. And uh, so when we sat down to talk about equity, he had offered me, or he had told me for every month for 20, well, 10 years, 20 years as a father, 10 years as president, this company will be yours someday. And I define that legally as 51%, but I knew I wasn't going to get 51%, but my minimum number was 25 and he offered me 13. Well, if I got 13, I quickly said, Dad, what's the rest of the stock we're going to be giving out? to?" Well, I got six other children. And I said, I know, but none of them are in the business. I said, give them your land, give them your money. Don't give them control of the company. And he said, well, Lee Iacocca is certainly in control of Chrysler, but he doesn't own 51% of the stock. And I said, you get, I almost said, you give me Lee Iacocca's package, I won't say another word. But it wasn't about money. It was about control. And it wasn't an ego control. I had a brother who was into drinking pretty good and one into drugs pretty good. And one had, well, one of them got a cashier pregnant. That's how his idea of employee relations. And so he had to go, they both had to go away. They were natural sons. And so I was the only one who loved the business. I said, Dad, please don't give the company's control to these, these other children. I mean, I give them more than their fair share of the money value, but don't give them the stuff. Well, I over the weekend, he, he I think he called my right-hand man who he didn't really trust to begin with, but he knew he was a yes man. 
And I knew he was a yes man, but he was very talented merchandising. And I think he's, he asked this question. I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure, right? I talked to Harold about control of the company and offered him $4 million in stock over the next 10 years. And he didn't seem real pleased about it. He wanted 51% over time. He won't leave. But if he did leave, could you and I run the company? Now, anyone watching this, I know if you were Ray, you would say, sure, sir, <laughs> Harold who? And I think that's what Ray said. And sure enough, what I knew was going to be the most certain thing in my life, that I'd be running Lloyd's for the rest of it, it was over in a matter of two months. Hmm. And to my, I always say I'm the luckiest unlucky person you've ever met. My good luck in this case, FMI. Stephen Perry from FMI. They were in a jam. They need a speaker really badly. They're really badly. Mike DeFabus, an iconic name in the industry, just took a job with AWG. He was a speaker for over a year. He was great. Well, he had an assignment with Fleming Foods for seven, seven locations. Well, he did five of them. And on the, before he did the sixth one, AWG offered him presidency. And what luck that was for me. Because they had two weeks to find a good speaker. And if you're any good at this, you're booked out way in advance. So the only, buddy, the only person they had available was me. They knew I taught college. They knew I was a good member of FMI. And I, I love the business. And they asked me what I'd do. They had no other choice. So uh, I flew down to Memphis, Tennessee, interviewed with them. And they said, hey, this guy looks pretty good. And that was 36 years ago. And on this for 36 years. Too long a story? <laughs> wow. No, it, it's, oh, I, I was not aware of all that history, Harold. I, I knew yeah. some of it, but uh, it's quite a story. It is. And uh, that's why I teach fellow, you know, I'm old enough now to talk to fathers and still feel young enough in heart to talk to the sons and say, you know, mom and dad, they'll tell you, they'll tell you, and they really mean it, that this company will be yours someday, but they just can't let go. Leon Danko wrote a great book about it. He said in a quote that giving up control of a company somewhere between castration and euthanasia. Huh? castration and euthanasia and i asked my father to go through that it wasn't really smart on my part but you know what i wasn't thinking of takeover i was thinking of doing my dad such a great service because he worked so hard his whole life and to give me and my three brothers and sisters a chance like that i worked harder and harder and what i should have done is said dad i need you you know you can't retire you can't leave because he had nothing to retire to and that was no, neat, uh, neat history. So, Harold, maybe it's a good starting point. You know, one of the questions, and again, uh, I've got uh, somewhat similar history, you know, grew up in the business, yep. my family owning stores and so on. But what, what do you see happening with family businesses across this industry? I mean, historically, there's been a lot of them. That's really what built this industry uh, early on. But do you do you see... Uh, more younger people not wanting to get involved in this industry, or do you see a strong continued uh, interest? Well, I love John Ross, president of IJ. I mean, he is brilliant and one of my favorite retailers. And he talks so enthusiastically about your question that they're, they're, they're all over. They're coming out of the woodwork and they're, they really want to take, I don't quite see it that way. I see those who are stepping up, the young ones I'm talking about, are wonderful. I have some in my share groups. Oh, my. They give me goosebumps to, to hear them talk, how passionate they are. But we all know this is this is such a hard, hard 
job. It's time consuming and it's physically draining. Uh, If you're not in peak form, you you could really get beaten up, especially in the last two years. And I'm not going to talk about the last two years as much. I I think that's such an anomaly. You really can't judge anything by by the standards now. But I've seen less uh, folks wanting to step up and follow mom and dad in their footsteps than than I have had in the past. There's no doubt in my mind. Now, John would know better than me. He sees more IGA and that type of independent operator. But those, in, I have six share groups. I'm very proud of them. HR share group and loss prevention. That's where you two address and do a great job. I see, I get, I live the life with these folks. I'm not a consultant type of, type of guy. I'm a retailer who just doesn't have a store. And I, I marry up to my share group members and, and I, I, I care about them. I call them on things and I, I help them. I don't I ever, never charge for telephone time. So I really feel what they're going through. Not again, the last two years, but for their life. And I don't see the, the change. Um, and when you, you read in this, in the paper, one week and then, well, Reesers, you know, Reesers, I just read it well, a week ago, yeah. two weeks ago. Uh, yep. Brookshire's and Reader, two family, great family businesses. Okay, great family businesses. And I've worked with both of them in, in the past. Now they're one of you one. Okay. If a Reasers goes um, and decides it's better that they sell, oh man, I can't imagine an average supermarket, uh, one, two, three stores thinking they can make it through. Yeah. So um, I'm not doom and gloom. I'm not the old, not the old guy who's saying, uh, well, back in the day, but the reality is Kroger and all these chains of publics, which I, I work for them, too, and I hear and see the resources they have and the technology they have. Oh, my gosh. And I see my little guys and they haven't remodeled the store in 12 years. Right. How in God's name, it's not logical, can they compete? I know for a fact that the chains have a five and 10 year remodel program, five year for minor remodel, 10 year major. Yep. And I have retailers who I love, and they're pretty good retailers. That stores are 12 and 15 years. I haven't seen a, a bucket of paint and a brush. They look nice and they're clean, but, you know, what have you done for me lately is what the customer wants today. And don't even go into your world at technology. I a 32-year-old daughter who I love to death made me a grandpa twice now, a six, a seven, and a two-year-old. And I'm I'm planting a tree for her. She just bought a new house, and I'm a tree. I'm a hole digger and a tree planter. And I got her this huge tree. I did it all by myself. And I'm and in the middle of digging this deep hole that you could almost get lost in. She says, hi, Ricardo. And I said, who's Ricardo? And here comes this good looking guy dressed nicely with a couple of bags and a couple of bags, probably eight or nine bags all. And he said, oh, he's my Instacart delivery guy. I said, what? Oh, yeah, I get over it, but I love it. And you know what? He called me twice today when he was picking my order. They asked me if this. I said, what? And she said, oh, and then last time I got a card saying, thank you for your business, hand side by record. I said, what? I mean, I beg my stores to do this kind of stuff. And here's some freaking um, outsider interloper who's coming in and delivering. And oh, my gosh. And I'm the four wall guy. I, it, it, when the store goes away, I retire. If I can't have a store to experience, uh, turn the customer on and get excited, I don't know anything about this delivery stuff. I don't want to know. I'm past that. I mean, it's past me. I mean, I don't know. But if as long as we have a store, I, I want to make it great. But when my daughter, a perfect demographic, perfect demographic, two young children, a wonderful wife, one one income. Uh, she's a stay-at-home mom, master's degree, but stay-at-home mom while the kids are young. 
and she loves, I mean, the, the way she said she loves Ricardo and the Instacart <laughs> thing, I said, man, should Ryan be worried about how you love Ricardo? That's her husband. Anyway, <laughs> and that's not the only time she's talked glowingly about, she pulls up the target. She said, dad, never more than two minutes. So what? She said, I pull up the target, I call and they come out and a big smile, big, and I load it in. And I, do, do, do. I have not heard in 10 years a customer talk about a grocery store in-store experience like I heard my daughter talk about. And she knew I said, honey, don't you know what I do for a living? Don't tell me about this stuff. I mean, I, my wife has come home and said, guess what? At the store that she went into. But my daughter did three and four and five times. So anyway, um, there's still there's still great retailers out there. There's some young, great retailers out there. There's no... By no means, I don't think the number that there used to be thinking that this was a, a way to make a living. Yeah. I, I was on a recent assignment and yeah, uh, it was for uh, the health food industry down in Orlando just a month ago. And I was telling them the penny profit. <laughs> I had a person sitting at the lunch table. That's ridiculous. Really defiantly, I said, what's ridiculous? He said, a penny profit. Uh, you mean a dollar on a hundred? I said, exactly. I think it was 1.2, actually, dollar twenty last year or two years ago, not not the COVID time. I got my phone, I go, what's the average you know, net profit after all expenses and in the supermarket? It's at 1.2. Right there in the phone. And he still didn't believe me. He thought it was a trick phone. Anyway, they, you know, if you're doing all that work for a dollar on a hundred, I said, Well, the trick of the question is, there's a lot of hundred dollar orders because people eat food. Um, but still it's low margin. Yeah, yeah. If I go on too long between answer questions, then please let me know. You'll you'll edit me down to half. I know anyway. No, I, I think I, I think our listeners are absolutely enjoying this. Otherwise, typically maybe Gary and I don't have the conversation. They're like, finally, they're letting somebody talk. <laughs> so no, no, this is terrific. So, so Harold, so so we, you know, you've obviously you know been in business for a long time, you know, three decades and more, and so you're seeing a wave of consolidation. Do you think that's kind of like a trend because people, why do you think that's happening? Because, because these smaller chains are not able to keep up with the in, in investment and in innovation and technology? Or is well, it just- uh, Two years ago at the NGA convention, I was, a, I was the opening or closing speaker, uh, opening speaker for uh, the big audience. It was a really big room and scary. I'm always still scared, nervous, good scared, not bad scared. And the title of the seminar was How to Remain Relevant. And what I'm finding out, the retailers who have just really identified their points of difference and are working every day, every week, every month on making those just points of difference clearer to the customer, they're going to be fine. And I have several in my share group, but I, I have a list and, and the article is available. Shelby Report wrote a beautiful article on the whole seminar. I'll send it to any of your listeners. It's kind of simple two page thing. And it's here's your mission statement. I hope to God you have one. There's not one bad retailer that there's not one bad retailer that has a mission statement. Every good or better than the good retailer has a mission statement. Now, some don't use them, but all the great ones do. They live with them. Meetings are started with the reciting of them. I mean, they really believe in what we stand for. And then beyond that, the next decision you got, what are the four or five points of difference that we want to own? We have to be good at everything, but we have to be great at some things. And that's what I walk the audience through. And if you're willing to do that, yeah, no worries about being taken out. In that same seminar, I have a totem pole, a picture of a totem pole. I said, consider this the market uh, the market that you're in. And you see the totem pole has six figures on it with the wings coming out and there's six heads, right? You don't want to be number six. 
Because it's only logical and it's a business axiom that when a new competitor comes to town, whether it's Lidl or Aldi or a new Kroger come to town, they're taking out number six, the last one on the totem pole, within two years. Set your watch to it. It's only logical. You can't come in and put a two or three or $400,000 store in a market and have it absorb uh, the excess volume. There's not excess volume around. And so I say, guys, you don't have to be number one or the biggest or the lowest price, but you just can't be number six on that totem pole. You got to work hard to get great at three or four things to get up that totem pole. Get up that totem pole, man. Be number four at least. You know, Burger King's made a nice living over the years in the shadow of McDonald's. Burger King, 100 years ago, I was taught in my marketing class, wherever McDonald's found a location to save $100,000 in market research, they put a Burger King on the other corner. It wasn't as good as the McDonald's corner, but if McDonald's thought that was a great area, it's good enough for me. And they put a Burger King there and they've been around for a billion years, too. So I don't mind. I don't have to be number one. And I'm not a defeatist. I'm just saying there's lots of room to make money in one, two, three, four markets in in one area. And I'm number six. uh, I'm done. But if I'm four or three, I can make money. So anyway, the totem pole theory. Lloyd, if you look out over the next, let's say, five years or so, what do you think this industry is going to look like? I just don't see the lot. I don't see the economics of this delivery stuff. And I just think when people start charging what they need to to make this delivery work, I think there'll be a a, a sway back to a to a good experience in a store. But if we don't become more experiential, I've been saying that word before I've heard anyone else say it. I'm not saying I invented it, but experiential. We can't be transactional which we were for a million years, we have to be experiential. I have a list that I give to my share groups of 42 mini departments to put in a store. Gold metal popcorn has popcorn machines and departments. I mean, why wouldn't we want to put a fresh pop popcorn machine in, uh, or department in our store? Everybody's got center store stuff and everybody's got a produce department. But what about the fudge? What about the popcorn? What about the... The kombucha, what about the the service meat department? What about, I mean, there's 42 items on this list that if we had seven or eight of these, I call them mini magnets. I I mean, I can't order that fresh popcorn that they have with that caramel thing and that cheese. And oh my, have you tried it? It's, they have it down at the Brooks. Oh my gosh, it's to die for. Dorothy Lane Market's been my hero since day one. Norman Main and I were in the share group. A mil- we were on a share group together a million years ago. And he's been my idol ever since. And golly, look at him, bulletproof. Kroger came in and put in a million, about a million dollars, a hundred thousand square foot store right a mile down from a few years ago. And their volume went up. And now that totem pole theory, they were what, one or two in that totem pole. So yeah. five and six went out. So they got a little of the spoils left over from five and six, and and Kroger did, came in with a you know two million dollar store, a million dollar store, and and Norman didn't feel it. Of course, he worked hard. He didn't sit back and wait and see what happened. He made sure he honed his five, and he's got five. He's good at everything, but he's great at five. Yeah. And if the retailer works on that and, and focus on their five, and it's a simple thing, I'll be glad to send your view. Don't, don't hire me. Just read the article and get my three-page handout. Follow those notes, and you'll have a good chance that, to have a really exciting living. But this COVID thing, man, it's taken even my most positive people down a, down a bad way sometimes. It's just 
Guys, I own three restaurants. I don't even know that. I, I, I want to be a retailer again. I want to sell something, not just a talker. For 36 years, just a talker. Well, 20 years ago, I bought a restaurant franchise, and I was proud of a few things we did. We were voted Norfolk, Virginia's number one family or style restaurant three years in a row. That's pretty cool. And I made my restaurant experiential. But if I had a restaurant now, you do all the right things and you can't get hamburger yeah. or the price of hamburger has gone up so too fast. You couldn't change the menu price fast enough. Or you had three, three great managers and 21 great employees. The rest are good, but we had 21 great. And they all were offered $5 an hour more to go work at a lesser operator. But because they were so desperate, they try to buy my people. Yeah. I don't know how I could handle that. So I go to bed once a week uh, saying, Lord, thank you for giving me the wisdom to sell my three restaurants 10 years, 12 years ago now. Uh, because I, I just say, God bless you. Uh, I tip like crazy now. I go to restaurants. I help. I Even though it's, it's hurt in the supermarket world, I I help the independent supermarket operator, but I also help the restaurant. They work so hard. Yeah. And to get hit the way they've been hit, it's just so crazy. Yeah, it is. It is. So we got to think of the positive and say, okay, we'll get through this. And the weaker ones who don't care will go out, totem pole number six, and I will get a little extra volume. And a lot of my retailers are having best two years of earnings wise they've had, but it's still a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting about six years ago, you know, the electronics retailer Best Buy was in all kinds of trouble, right? Yeah. And they said Amazon's got to beat, they're going to eat them for lunch. And this is the end of the electronic superstore because you had Circuit City and all these other franchises just, just obliterated going out of business. And I think about five or six years ago, they experimented with a model where they had a store within a store. They had these experience centers within their stores. Started with the home theater experience called the Magnolias, all the way in the back of the store where you could kind of, you know, touch, feel, and, and kind of experience the home theater. And that exploded. And what they then did is brought in the Samsung store and the Amazon store and the Google store and the Apple store and the Microsoft store inside uh, Best Buy and completely changed the experience. And it's, obviously, it's turned their business around completely. And maybe something like that needs to happen to reinvent center store in supermarkets because, you know, the data is telling us that people still want to go into the store. And they still like buying in the store. They just like the added convenience of buying online when they can't. Well, if I if I don't give the customer anything extra, but good prices and a good assortment, that I get that on Amazon, and I love Amazon. I order something if I don't even need it. I, I order a magnet. I needed something for my golf cart. And I ordered a little magnet, it was like seven dollars. It, it came. It was like, oh boy, there's a box on my my front door, and I didn't have to go to the hardware store, Home Depot. I found exactly what I wanted. So it's so easy. Okay. So I say, what about your store that gets my heart pounding? What about your store that gives me goosebumps? What about your store that makes me salivate, okay? If you got nothing, 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 goodbye, sell, man. Shut it down. Be done. Go away to Florida. You work hard. You got some money saved. Go, 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 go fast. But if you can create that environment, I, one of my Canadian share group, and put in a, a salsa uh, department and a popcorn department. You should see the thing. So I don't know what your house looks like. I'm proud of my house, certainly the yard. I love my house. But if everything's delivered and I don't see anything but my four walls, 
there's got to be a whiplash. I want to go out and see something else. I want to experience something fun and, and fresh and exciting and maybe a little inconvenient, but it was worth it. It was absolutely worth it because it was my kids smile. I take it. I teach about marketing to the children in the store. These kids are bored like hell. Even my daughter has this nice house with the two little kids. They, they can't wait to get out and go see, experience stuff. We got to make our, st- our stores experience or our word toast. That's all. Now, the good news is, guys, and this is my only barometer because I'm not in your world at all. I, 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 there's an article. There's a trends. Our group progressive grocer came out on trends. And I was all ready to study up on this because if you want me to know about trends, I mean, half of them I don't even know anything about. You know, AI and ethical eating and all that crap. Um, I mean, not crap, but it's all that other stuff that I'm and 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 not not smart about. So, but I do know about the four walls, and I do not know do know about making things experiential. Tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday, I have a three day class that I've taught for 21 years. It's virtual, and everybody bitches complains about virtual and the Zoom thing and all the rest of it. We have 97 people signed up. Not wow. 30 companies, 90 for three days, four hours on your tush watching the stupid screen. So I'm in, I'm in, I feel so empowered. I couldn't wait. My colleague Doug Maddenberg said, I can't believe how excited you get. I said, 96 people want to come and learn. I mean, on, on a Zoom call. So there are some re- really great retailers. Schnooks is another giant. I got little guys and big guys. I got Orcas Island all the way across and the San Juan Islands is coming. Uh, every North America, it's there. They want to learn. They want to try. They they want to work. Uh, there's a little yeah, yeah, yeah going on, a little feeling sorry for myself, and a little bit of whining, but that's that's what we do. Yeah. We do a little bit of that, but I was so encouraged by that. That beats all attendance records uh, in 21 years, and and it's zooming versus a live uh, live event, which people love. Well, we can see we can see why Harold, your 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 energy and excitement is contagious. So no, thank you. You're not rubbing off on people who are sitting and uh, listen to you. And I I know that brief uh, hour that we were on the call with you with your share group. You know I I. Stepped away wanting to own a store, <laughs> do stuff. Well, to thank yeah. you so much, Shaker, for that. Uh, two years ago, in the same class, I, I get evaluations from everybody. And the one comment that I'll never forget it was my trophy for the year was a 40 year veteran, not 40 year old, a 40 year store manager said, Mr. Lloyd, quite honestly, I don't know why they sent me to this class because I was talking about retirement in, in less than two years. After this class, I don't want to retire. I didn't know all the things that I could be doing to make the job not only fun, but more effective. I mean, that's just so cool. Maybe he retired anyway. However, what he said felt so good. And, uh, you know, no one is smarter than all of us. And we get 96 managers on a call and I got guest speaker managers instead of me yapping the whole time. I got three guest speakers who are store managers. And I got Jim Donald coming too on uh, tomorrow, who's former president of Starbucks and current co-chairman of Albertson Safeway. And his leadership message is, is inspiring. So uh, anyway, there's great signs out there that positive things are, are still happening. And I have, I'm very optimistic about the industry. But to say uh, the young folks are wanting to be grocers, I, I don't see it quite like it was. That's for sure. And that's okay. That's okay. Let the strong survive. N- nothing stays the same, right? Yeah. Everything sure. changes. And, you know, I think 
From a, a technology perspective and innovation, I, I think there's a lot of change coming. And, you know, from my perspective, a lot of the retailers I talk to, I, I really don't think many of them really fully appreciate how much and how fast, you know, things are coming at them from a, a tech perspective. You know, everything from like an Amazon Go, you know, just walk out technology to AI, everything, uh, you know, so many things are being impacted. I've subscribed to convenience store news because I did. I had 10 of them back in the day and I never stopped. And what people worried about Walmart back in the day, I worried about Wawa and, and Sheets and those kinds of retailers. They're talking about easy. Oh, my gosh. So it's coming at us in all directions. But that's that's why I think we picked the business because it's exciting it's, and it's so challenging mentally and physically. But when I uh, when I was accosted by a fellow student who went at Chicago, I'll never forget it. Like two in the afternoon, graduation just happened. And I I wrote a thesis. Not many people bothered to. But if you wrote a thesis and it was approved, you graduated with a designation of honors. It didn't mean I had a highest average, but I was one of three or four that graduated with honors. When people saw that, they go, what are you going to do with your degree? And I proudly said, I'm going to work with my father. I'm starting Monday. He goes, what, do you, what does your father do? I said, he's got some grocery stores and convenience stores on the East Coast in New York. And he said, I, I swear to God, I had a guy look me square in the eye, a student with his parents standing right. You got a master's degree to work in a grocery store? And he sort of tried to jokingly say, what are you going to do all your life? Count green beans? Yep. And I wanted to, I wanted to choke him. I mean, it really did. And I and I but I quickly because I had slept that night good well and I ran that morning and I and I said, no, 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 no. That's that's Tuesdays. Thursdays you do peas and carrots. It's not always canned <laughs> or green beans. It's not. It's peas and and he looked at me like, what? And that had a little fun with him. But that's I, I just told the group uh this morning, and I'll mention it tomorrow. This isn't science, what we're in. It's not rocket science, but it is a science. And it's something yeah. to be studied. It's behavioral science. Yep. And it's something to be studied and, and worked at. So I'm, I'm proud to be, be a, Mr. Whipple uh, was an icon. Don't squeeze the Charmin. That's the store manager's only purpose in life. They prevent people from squeezing the Charmin. Maybe you two guys are too young to know who he is. But now we have the new game guy. You know, there's a, a lady in the detergent aisle who looks like orgasmic because she's selling the game laundry detergent scent. And she's going like this. And he said, thank, uh, thank him. And, and you turn and there he is, a Mr. Whipple younger version, a tie, <laughs> balding hair, and looking like a, a nerd. Um, that's what they brand us. That's who we are, I guess, to the world. Well, I'm, I'm fighting tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday to beat that. We have some smart, <laughs> smart talented people. No, that's, you that's wait the next time you see that commercial, you resent it. I hope you resent it. I know Gary will because he was a retailer. So. Yeah, and I remember it. So. <laughs> Anyway, that's interesting. So, Harold, one of the conversations that we've had uh, off late with many retailers is, you know, print is down big time, right? And and one of the ways print, uh, you know, most of these uh, retailers have been reaching out to their audience about pulling them back in the stores through their print ad. And But, you know, the problem is that distribution is down. And so they're unable to even do that. And there's a whole revolution happening about moving away from print printed ads to more digital. 
And I know it's been kind of like the mainstay of the industry for like 40, 50 years, the, the weekly print ad, right? How do you, how do you see that uh, evolution impacting your retailers? More and more going that way, no ad at all. And uh, I, I have, my recommendation is six to 12 times a year, I have this mass mailing to just rock the boat, just shake the, shake the uh, trees a little bit. And then I have the best in-store flyer that was ever created in store, handed out in store. So, you know, you come to my Lloyd's and you're going to find the flyer handy, not tucked away in a corner underneath the smock by the rug doctor next to the, uh, the rock saw. Okay. It's right out there and it's attractive and there's a great value in it. Okay. So in store flyer, six to 12 times a year, direct mail, boom, boom, boom. And then as my first speaker tomorrow, Steve Morrow from Bell Vista, Arkansas, is Bell Vista. Now, Bell Vista, Arkansas. It's like a mile away from Bentonville. Does that name ring a bell? He's got like three million Walmarts across the street from him. And he, this guy is rocking the world uh, without an ad uh, and social media. He's, he's older, younger than me, but older, and he gets social media. I mean, I just convision, he, he has a new employee, cashier. Okay, okay, right? He gives her a sign. I'm new. And she holds it up in front of him and he takes a picture of it and says, you got to come and meet Stephanie. She's a registered two today. She's brand new. and We love her. I mean, God, I, who would have thought that? I mean, Stephanie's going to be showing out to every friend she had. Maybe she'll be embarrassed to some degree, but oh, she'll be proud. And all the customers, hi, Stephanie. Oh, you love, I love the store. You'll love it too. I mean, all this kind of, where do you get that out of a print ad? So, we got to the point where we were screwing up print ads so bad. It was how many little bitty pictures can we get on here so we can get our co-op money? Oh, boy. No one could read the damn thing, but we were getting co-op money. Oh, boy. We were making money on like slotting allowance. We have sold our soul to the devil with print ads and with our slotting allowance. because We get the back of the house money versus what's right for the customer. So yeah. give me an in-store flyer that just rocks the world and do it weekly. So we get excited about every week something new. And then we have a shake the tree six to 12 times a year, spend a ton of money getting it out there. And then let's get on social media and, and get get to really feel the passion that you can convey in a social media announcement. That's where I am today. I, I don't think I'm going to change too quickly on that one, but I think uh, five years from now, I'd like to have this videotape. Uh, edit it and, and change. Maybe there's something new out there, but that's, that's the magical formula right now, at least for my share groups. No, it makes total sense. Right? Let's not sell our soul to the devil and give away our end cap. There's another one, our end cap. So I walk in, sure enough, ever ready, uh, bread, pep chips, Coca-Cola. Okay. The first four ends I teach should never, ever be sold to anybody. The first four ends the customer sees should never be sold to anybody. They changed every week. The rest of them, give them away, sell them. I don't care what you do. But I want to come into that store. I don't want to see the same chip, the same Pepsi, the same. God bless. We need those people. They have great products. But we don't have to make our store look static like that and show it every freaking week. The same stuff. Well, we did a lot of money. And the checkout. So I come in. I see the same crap. And I leave it. And I see the same crap. Do you have to give every checkout stand to the vendors do you can we do every other checkout stand let's put our beautiful produce on number three and our beautiful grocery uh that special buy local purchase items on number five and number seven we do bakery come on do we have to give like 
But saying gum, I, I love the gum people. But we don't have to give all of them to all of them for any amount of money. I'm having more fun than maybe you are, Harold. So maybe oh, I, I, I love the business. So I'm not, this is fun. I love helping retailers and I hope I make sense to them. No, I, you know, you know, I'm definitely going to listen to this again because there's so many nuggets in this. And I think what I love about the way you deliver stuff, Harold, is that you stick to the basics. And there's some very basic things here about retail, about customer relationship, about keeping that experience fresh and alive and um, adding value to somebody's trip that they make to the store, uh, which is so basic, you know, and I, I don't think any kind of technology will ever replace that because we're all ultimately social beings and, and yeah, we, want we want to be treated special. We want to be, we yep. want to feel good when we walk into a place. And I think yep. some of the things you talk about, you know, hit exactly those points and no amount of technology or AI is ever going to take that place. And, you know, and I think when we look at technology, we look at it as an enhancer, as an enabler. There you go. I agree with that. I'm not right. phobic. I, I, 20%, 30%, but it can't take away the whole enchilada. It just can't. It just right. can't. Uh, uh, Gary and Shaker, when you called me about this, I, I had in mind a session that I do, and it's called Here Comes the Future. Are we prepared? If I could end, and you can edit this because it's near the end. I have 10 questions I ask your audience to score themselves one to 10. Would you like that real quick? And yes. I'll be glad to send it to you real quick. And, and you, I think you'll be interested in, especially number seven. Number one, your competitive points of difference. How many of the five do you have? I said five. Do you have two that you're better than everybody? Give yourself four points. Two times two. If you have five that you're better than everybody in your market, God bless you, you get 10 points. Number two, your physical plant and equipment. I just said you can't win with a tired old store a five and 10 year remodel. So take away one point from 10 for every year since your last major remodel. You haven't had a last major remodel in 10, 11 years, you get zero points for number two. Number three, your employee's attitude. On a one to 10, out of 10 employees randomly selected, how many would say they love working for you? Three out of 10, you get three points. Eight out of 10, you get eight points. Number four, manager's attitude. Get all your managers together, randomly pick 10 and ask them how, how much do you love working for your boss and working in retail? Five out of 10 say they love it, you get five points. Number five, how many ways do you listen to your customer? Well, I got an old suggestion box on the front and there's no pen or paper there, but it's a suggestion box. I, I'll give you a half a point for your father putting that in there 40 years ago, but you never remodeled it, okay? But I teach you gotta have five ways to listen to the customer, five different ways. Because Some people don't own a phone. Some people won't intercept. You see a clipboard coming their way, they're gonna they're gonna run. Uh, they don't have this, they won't be in a focus group. So you need five different, I'll give you two points for every way you listen to the customer. I did a seminar with High V. I'll never forget it. It was not too long ago. I walked in to be uh to sign in and they have this beautiful new meeting facility they created. And the reception was delightful. And as I'm waiting for my host to come get me, I said, What's going on in that room? And there was a room with a whole wall of glass. There were five people on the computers and screens everywhere. And she said, that's our listening center. I said, what's a listening center? She said, we watch every social media uh, entry that mentions high V. You want to hear what happened this morning? Somebody Googled to a friend that, that they didn't get their butter that they had packed in their groceries. In 28 minutes, the butter was delivered to her house. 
Wow. That's number five, listening to the customer. High V gets five points for that. Number six was KPI reporting. How many numbers do you share with your people? Uh, KPI, items per customer, sales per square foot, the freshness inventory, and so on. I teach you better have five that you share, trend, and track with your for your people. Number seven, community connection. On a one to 10, your store burns down, God forbid. How many people don't even remember what it was six months later? You get zero points. If people start a GoFundMe to rebuild your store because they miss you so much, you get 10 points. Community connection, number seven. Number eight, how you like this one? How technologically prepared are you to fight? And I say deduct the number of years you're behind in the industry's efficiencies. Start with 10. We're, Harold, we're 10, 10 years behind. I was the slowest in the world for scanning. ShopRite, my arch enemy, had two generations of scanning before I put my first one in. I couldn't afford to make a mistake. I couldn't afford to buy it in the first place. My dad was broke. And then I couldn't afford to make a mistake and buy the wrong brand. So I was way behind. Number, number eight really killed me. Number nine, affiliation with your suppliers. On a one to 10, a composite of 10 suppliers anonymously rating you as fair, aggressive, and professional. How would they rate you? They talk behind your back. You got to believe it. Oh, I know some brand name companies. I don't care how much money you're making. You are talked about so disparagingly behind your back because you're not nice to people. Oh, my people got good deals, too. You don't have to beat somebody up and be mean and rude and crude to get a great deal. In fact, I think it works against you. And finally, number 10, marketing prowess. On a one to 10 scale, how creative and powerful and energized are your advertising, marketing and social media initiatives? Rubber stamp repeats. Same thing from last year. Give yourself one. Oh, we're always evolving. We have a marketing committee in our store. We really create. We love it. Give myself a nine. There are your 10. And I give bonus points. If you love the business, at least uh, 70% of the time, I throw in an extra five points for you. So I just want to give you an idea. That's how I do my consulting. I go through that mentally and quickly, physically with the company. If I only have a 15 minutes with them, we run through that list and see, oh, my gosh. We really stink in two things. Well, let's get working on those two things. Anyway. No, I love it. You can edit that right off if you didn't didn't need it or, or like it. Wealth of information out there. So you know, I know we're we're kind of hitting our uh, timeline here, Gary. It's been so much fun. I I think uh, I could have Harold here for every episode for the rest of the year. <laughs> I have enough to talk about. <laughs> yeah. You and I but might like that, but your audience would get really so tired quick. Harold. Yeah. You know, and I, I, you know, I know I don't, I don't come from the grocery industry myself. I'm an engineer, so um, you know, hanging around with people like you and Gary have kind of taught me a lot. So uh, it's been extremely educational for myself, and I'm sure Gary has been nodding along all along because he agrees. With nodding me. off, you said, or nodding? <laughs> Not, nodding, nodding off, or nodding? <laughs> no, in a, oh, nodding in agreement. Oh, good deal. Now Gary is a hero, or is a hero, I guess, or was even more when he was a successful retailer and then he embraced technology when no one else even could spell it um and, and i watched him you know like whoa what's this gary hawkins thing and i'm doing all this stuff in his store and what's this frequent chopper stuff my god you know uh, so you are you are the leader in our our industry gary for that and uh, that's why i that's said yes to this and shape you did a great job for my anyway, I'm, I'm the help. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm feeling pretty fortunate hanging around both of you guys. So uh, thank you again, Harold, for so much for taking this time and being on this episode. Uh, obviously, you know, 
you send us your address. We're going to mail you a retail perch coffee mug. So you know, oh, next good. time you show up, no, you can show up with the with the coffee <laughs> mug here. So, and I want but, your audience to know that my background is real. See, that's real. Yours is fake. So you look you look sophisticated and cool back there, but that's not real. That's not a real on-air studio, everybody. But this is this is for tomorrow, my real backdrop. Anyway. <laughs> well, we're we're gonna send you a real coffee mug. Yeah, okay, thank you. Make up for your fake background. Oh, okay, good deal. Go. Good deal, guys. Oops. Okay, anything else? No, I think that's about it. We just had a fantastic time. I want to thank you again. And You're very welcome. You. The listeners are are right now, you know, excited listening to this episode. Like, oh my god, this is like, you know, high energy. This is probably the most energetic episode we've ever had on Retail Perch. Yeah. So yeah. it's been hope fantastic. There was, hope there was content in there too. Yeah. So absolutely. they can reach out to me. They like Harold Lloyd. You can Google me or whatever. I like to answer any questions you might have. Um, yeah, please, but, please do that. And you know, if you've never. Um, if, if you're a retailer and you're not part of one of Harold's share group, you can probably reach out to them and figure out how you could be part of it. And I'm sure you're going to benefit a ton from the process. So, Gary, anything else before we wrap up here? No, Harold, thanks for being with us. It was great. Well, uh, great listening to you. Look forward to my coffee mug. All right. Hey, thank you, guys. We'll talk right. to you soon. All right. Thank you now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Make sure to join us every Monday and connect with us at The Retail Perch on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at theretailperch at birdseye.com. Until next time, this is Shaker. And this is Gary, signing off. 